Hey everybody, welcome to The Dark Parade. My name is Bo, I am your host. I have a little bit of a cold right now, uh, thanks to working with children who are nothing but giant disease vectors. And I think I caught something from one of them. Uh, but, I, you know, look, I just enjoy blaming things on the children I teach. It doesn't really matter if they actually infected me with Ill- illness or not. I just like uh, using them as a convenient scapegoat. Um, how you doing? How you been? Uh, life has been uh, strange on my end of late. I don't know um, if you have paid attention to some of the side episodes where uh, there have been kind of, you know, drips and drabs of me talking about personal life stuff. I've still been managing to put out an episode every week. But here recently, um, my girlfriend and I broke up, which meant that, you know, my dealing with kids on a permanent basis broke up as well, which is uh, a bit of a bummer. And so I ended up having to move back into the house I was prepping to be rental property. And none of that is terrible. Like, at the end of the day, you know, things work out the way that they should and all. Um, But it has been very hectic as I'm trying to wrap up the school year as, you know, not just a first year teacher, but like a first, you know, few months teacher and also go through a breakup and also move. Uh, That has been taxing, to say the least. And even as I say it out loud, there's part of me that's like, did I do all of that in the past handful of months? And And the answer is yes. All of those things happened in relatively short order. Uh, which is, is crazy. Um, that is, though, all of those things are, are major things that you should deal with one at a time. And I was doing them all at once. Still, still am doing a couple of those things, uh, all at the same time. So apologies if the output has been sporadic or, or perhaps not, um, as, as in depth. Um, but you know, the upside, I guess, of, of all these massive life changes Um, is that I've had some time in the evenings to actually watch movies, and so now I bring to you uh, a little bit of a review roundup. I still don't quite have the time to do the full-on episodes again, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. The problem is the the teaching uh, takes a lot of time. It turns out that you can't just wing it. You can't just walk into a classroom, look at the kids, and be like, all right, what do you think you should learn today? You actually have to have a plan. Uh, and, and sometimes even that goes horribly awry when you go to first period and you're like, Hey, here's my plan for the thing I was going to teach today. And the kids, uh, just reject it. Just are like, I have no interest in learning this thing in the way you are presenting it. And so you gotta, uh, be a little nimble. Uh, it's fascinating. And I'm curious, like there's not really a great teacher podcast out there that I'm aware of. Um, and there's part of me that's like, I should do something like that. But then I realize why on earth would I do something like that? I can barely do the podcast that I really enjoy doing. And that sounds like something I would have to work really hard at. And I'm already working really hard at like three different things. So, uh, enough of that. Um, but I did watch the movies and I wanted to, uh, discuss them. And I'm going to do this in, not necessarily in the order that I like them, but in the order that I feel like it makes the most sense to talk about them. And so the first thing I'm going to watch uh, is a Shudder movie, or talk about that I watched, uh, is a movie from Shudder called Kids vs. Aliens by a guy named Jason Eisner. And Jason Eisner is an interesting 
director because he he's worked in genre stuff, but also has one foot squarely in the realm of wrestling. Like he's directed some of the Dark Side of the Ring web series, or not web series, but television series. Um, has a, a, a show called Tales from the Territory that he's directed that is all about uh, sort of like local lo-fi sort of wrestling organizations and venues and so forth. And that seemed uh, interesting. I, I don't have a whole lot of interest in wrestling personally. I've dipped my toes back into it of late, um, you know, a couple of years ago. Maybe not even that long. And I tried. I gave it a, the old college try of, hey, do I like wrestling? And the answer was no. I don't really like wrestling very much. Um it's fine, but I just, I, my time is so limited, uh, to do just about anything. And that's not a thing I really care to do, uh, or the wrestling side of stuff. So wrestling is not my bag, but that's okay, man. Uh, I, I like people who like wrestling and I, I hear about it and that's kind of fun. I, I get it sort of secondhand and I think that's my prefer preferred method of ingestion for wrestling stuff is to hear people talk about it. Um, but at any rate, Jason Eisner did, uh, the segment, like not only would you know him from the wrestling stuff, but he did a segment on BHS two back in the day, uh, low about 10 years ago, which is crazy. I think VHS two is 10 years old, but there was a segment of that that involved a bunch of kids having a slumber party and then aliens show up and, and bomb in on their game and cause a, a big stir. Um, he also directed Hobo with a Shotgun, if you recall that movie with Rutger Hauer. But uh, the reason I bring up the VHS2 segment, though, is that this feels like an extension of that idea. And I would be surprised. I haven't watched interviews about Kids vs. Aliens with Eisner, but I would be surprised if he did not express it in that way. It seems to me that it is logical that this would be um, a, a, a sort of reimagining, a, an, a, an expansion of some of the ideas in that segment, which I thought was okay. And Kids vs. Aliens is a movie that is very steeped in, in sort of 80s nostalgia. It's got, uh, there, there is a hint of wrestling in it. Um, as some kids are doing some backyard wrestling stuff and they're filming uh, themselves. So there's some, you know, lo-fi movie making stuff going on. Um, there's a, a brother and sister dynamic. The sister's a little older. And there's a hint of she is starting to grow up and maybe leaving behind the younger brother and his movie making shenanigans. And instead, she's going to be much more of uh, you know, a young adult, like she wants to go out and go to parties and get laid and drink and do stuff like that. And he wants her to just be, um, the nerdy sister that he's always loved. And, and she's sort of torn between those two worlds. And one fateful night when the parents are out of town and the sister, the older sister is sort of seduced by a young, uh, Turk locally, to um, throw a party at her house, throw, throw a big rager. And even though it, it has like synth music and it's shot like an 80s movie and it's kind of lit like an 80s movie, it is very much a modern day movie in that there are cell phones and stuff like that. So it is not just 
like it's not set in the 80s it's not a period piece but it has that vibe it has a, a very distinct 80s feel to it and um so this night that they throw the rager aliens show up and and start to abduct people and bomb in on their shit and uh you know basically abduct people into this skull-shaped spaceship and some they turn into goo uh, one presumes to eat some they make mutants and it turns out that the guy that was seducing the older sister is a real shit heel and the kids have to sort of save the day but it's mostly the older sister it's it's sort of her story and her discovering where she belongs and and what she likes and where she fits in and so forth um and a lot of that stuff i really like the thing that i don't care for in the movie is that it feels very routine um i mean it's directed with energy and there's a real sense of fun to it, but it also comes in the wake of things like Psycho Gorman and, um, you know, any number of films that are kind of trading on that 80s nostalgia. And this plays it, I mean, it's it's comic, there, there's a horror comedy element to it, but it plays it kind of straight. And I think the thing I, that I loved about something like Psycho Gorman is that it both embraces the 80s camp and also does something with it. You know, it has uh, it has something to say about it. And Kids vs. Aliens just seems to enjoy being that thing. Um, you know, that it enjoys living in that nostalgic place without necessarily commenting on it. You know, it's what makes... Uh, Scream 5 so good to me is that it has these nostalgic elements calling back to the original Scream series and the original movies and but it it has a different perspective and it has that distance and, and comments on it in a way that feels of it but not you know about it if, if that makes sense. The trick is to be the game but not of the game. And that is the trick I think Psycho Gorman pulls off is to be of the 80s, but not uh, to be the 80s, but not of the 80s. Whereas Kids vs. Aliens seems to be perfectly content being of the 80s as well as being the 80s. And uh, that's probably more esoteric than it needs to be, but that's how I felt about it. And I don't think it's a bad movie. And there are moments I really liked. It, it's shockingly gory at times. Maybe not shockingly. That's probably overstating it. But it's surprising, though, like the level of gore that it achieves. And some of those effects are really fun. Um, the kids, I don't think, are terribly memorable. One is because of what happens to him. Uh, which I suppose is a slight spoiler in that one kid has a thing that happens to him. And that makes him more memorable. Uh, the sister is is certainly the focus and the more memorable character, and I think she's good in it. Um, and uh, but I but I don't think that you know it's quite enough uh, to carry the movie. And Phoebe Rex is her name, uh, and and like I said, I think she she's quite good in uh, in that role. 
Um, but the rest of it is like, yeah, the, you know, there's the shitty boyfriend that is shitty, uh, or, you know, would be boyfriend. And that's not terribly surprising, um, that he turns out to be a shit heel and, you know, he finally gets what's coming to him and that's pretty satisfying, but it happens in a way that's very expected. Uh, it makes perfect sense because it's really been telegraphing his fate, uh, for, for some portion of the movie. But again, you know, like familiar isn't bad. It just doesn't mean that it's, you know, it, it doesn't really do anything that that's exciting. And it was fun. Like I had a, a good enough time during the watch. I don't dislike the movie, but you know, as far as a recommendation, it's like, yeah, if you got 90 minutes to rub together and you feel like watching something that's a little, you know, a, a th- 80s throwback kind of movie, uh, and, and that, you know, what's your whistle, then by all means, uh, you know, one thing that I thought was strange about it, and maybe it's because I'm just old and cranky, but I got a little put off by how vulgar the kids are. And as someone who teaches high school, I know that like preteens and teenagers are incredibly vulgar. So it's not that I think that it's, you know, dishonest in its handling of the way that these kids speak. I just don't care for it. Like at a certain point, I was like, ah, you know, this we're approaching like Eddie Murphy raw levels of of the use of the word fuck, and that's fine. I just for it being a movie about kids fighting aliens, it would have been nice if it were, I don't know, not family friendly. That's not what I'm getting at. Just, just not as you know acidic uh, on the way down. It's. It's a it's a bitter movie uh, uh, with a, a a weird aftertaste, um, but it you know I like I said there there was plenty about it I enjoyed. I don't think it's great. The, this landed right around like two and a half three stars for me, where I'm like it's not I it's not so routine that I think it's just an average movie that has nothing to recommend it. Uh, because it does have have moments for sure, and I you know I laughed a time or two, and I thought uh, again, uh, you know Phoebe Rex as Samantha uh, did a did a fine job. You know she's a, a fun character, and seeing her kind of make the transition to badass is fun to see. I think that goes on a little long, and it it ends in a weird place. And it kind of speaking of the ending, the ending felt unnecessarily grim. I mean, it's not like an apocalypse happens or anything, but it doesn't give you the satisfaction of just letting the good guys win after this night of terror. And that also, I I found a little off-putting in terms of just, you know, the vibe I walked away from with this movie. Um, So yeah, so that's that's Kids vs. Aliens. Um, And of the three movies I'm going to talk about, it's the movie I enjoyed the least. But I still thought it was okay. That said, let's talk about the movie that I enjoyed uh, a whole lot, surprisingly, more than I expected to, was the M. Night Shyamalan thriller uh, Knock at the Cabin, which I'm late to the party on this one, but that's mostly because uh, I saw Old, and I thought Old 
uh, sucked out loud. And a lot of people, I think, liked it much more than I did, certainly. Um, I didn't care for old at all. I thought the, the acting was wooden. I thought the dialogue was terrible. And maybe it helps that this movie is based on a book. It M. Night Shyamalan's got a, a writing credit, but other writers are on it. And I, I would like to read the book. I, my understanding is that the book's a little bit different. But the premise of it is pretty simple, which is um, a same-sex couple, uh, two guys and their adopted daughter are taking a vacation at this cabin in the middle of nowhere. And the movie opens with the little girl, uh, when outside catching grasshoppers and uprolls Dave Bautista as happens when you're in the woods. I don't know if you go camping a lot, but, uh, it turns out if you go camping and open a jar of grasshoppers, Dave Bautista appears, which is something that happens. And, he shows up and he basically says, Hey, um, I want you to know that I'm your friend no matter what happens. And then three other pals show up. All of them with these homemade weapons that... Like one of them's a pitchfork tied to a shovel or something. And uh, one of them's this weird flail looking thing. But the end result is they are these gnarly looking weapons. And um, they surround the house they break in again slight spoilers i guess for the you know first 20 minutes of knock at the cabin and then present them with this horrible choice which is hey we have been shown these visions we are not here to hurt you in fact we can't it would be against the visions if we lay hands on you but between the three of you you have to decide who in your three member family is going to sacrifice themselves for the sake of the entire world. Because if you don't sacrifice anybody, then these cataclysms are going to occur and it's going to get worse and worse. And if you keep at it, the only people left on the face of the planet are going to be the three of you walking around on a burning cinder. And that's the premise. And the question is, are these people crazy? Um, are they for real? If they are for real, what, where is the proof? Are they going to be able to convince these two, uh, you know, husbands and, you know, less so the daughter, but are they going to be able to convince them that, like, yes, we're for real and also we need you to do this thing? And it's really interesting. Um... The thing I like about it, uh, it, it's like Dave Bautista is in it. Uh, Jonathan Groff, um, who I probably know best from the Manhunter series, but apparently, uh, he was also in King George, uh, or played King George in Hamilton and was one of the voices in the original Frozen. Um, he's a good actor been on a lot of stuff and and has acquitted himself well in all of that stuff and surprise surprise he's also really good in this um and it's him uh there is uh another guy named ben aldridge who is in it uh, who plays the other husband um and you might know him from movies like uh spoiler alert uh and in the show pennyworth 
and had a bunch of stuff I've never seen. Like, I never watched Fleabag, and he was in that. Um, so, a lot of stuff I just don't know. So, what are you going to do? Anyway, he's good in it. Um, and Rupert Grint, the uh, the guy who played Ron Weasley, is in this. And he's actually quite good in this. Uh, also, M. Night Shyamalan, like I said, I, I was really uh, off on old. I never saw Glass. I thought Split was good. But he's just one of those directors who's real up and down. You know, you're never quite sure what to expect with a, uh, a an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Sometimes it's a winner. Sometimes you're scratching your head like, why on earth did this very talented filmmaker make this movie? But the, I would much rather have uh, a director who's taken wild swings and sometimes it connects and sometimes it doesn't. But when it does connect, it's it's not just solid. It is like, oh, wow, this is one of the best movies I've seen in a little while. And that's kind of how I felt about um, uh, about Knock at the Cabin. I, I thought it was incredibly tense. Um, I thought that the performances were across the board really good. I thought it presented a great dilemma. Um, the way that it sort of convinced you what was happening and whether and, and playing with the ideas of is it real is it not were these uh were these men targeted because they're a same-sex couple were they not um all of that stuff really really worked for me and and it's got a satisfying conclusion which is a big problem of m night Shyamalan movies is sometimes you know there's like a twist at the end and this doesn't really have that there's not really a twist ending other than, you know, the reveal of, is this real? Is this not real? What are the ultimate fates of our characters? You know, that that's not really twisty. That's just a thing. And uh, that's how, you know, movies work and stories work. But I really just loved it. I thought it was really compelling. I was just totally bought into it the entire time. Um, it, it is a wonderful story about love and sacrifice and you know good people being forced to do bad things sometimes and you know the the responsibility we have to our fellow man M. Night Shyamalan really moved the camera around a lot it was a really dynamic film to watch even though it's sort of a single setting movie for the most part there are some flashbacks here and there to other locations but for the most part it is you know, these actors in a cabin, most of the time just talking. And Dave Bautista, who I don't know that I ever really considered a, a great actor. Um, I You know, I think he's fun. I really enjoy the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and I, I think he's very funny in those. But I don't know that I gave him any credit for being a, a legitimately good actor. And even after Glass Onion, which I think he's fine in. But then just recently I watched Army of the Dead and just nobody comes off looking good in that. So why on earth would I think that he's a good actor? But uh, Bautista is is very, very good. He's, he's like heartbreaking at times and threatening at times. But he's this kind of mild-mannered guy, even as big as he is. And I think that's one of the things that I really liked about it is that he does feel... 
threatening, but not because of anything he says or because of his tone. He's just a big dude. And so hearing him talk about like, look, none of us want to be doing this. And I know this seems crazy, but we, we had to, and here's why. And also him doubting himself at times. And it, it's just a great performance. It's a really good performance uh, from Dave Bautista um, where he's, he's a really wonderful kind of, you know, anti-hero in some ways. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I, I just can't say enough good things about uh, Bautista in this, as well as Jonathan Groff, who I thought was uh, absolutely terrific. And now that I think about his performance as King George, I, I will double down and say that maybe he's one of the more um, underrated actors working right now. Like his, the roles that he is right for might be particular, but the one like he's absolutely terrific in Hamilton as well as in this and as well as in Manhunter. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't say enough good things about it. like knock at the cabin. Um, you know, I'm a stingy reviewer when it comes to movies. I really like because I'm like, I need to go back and watch this again and make sure that I like it as much the second time that it's got the same impact that I, that I really enjoyed it. But I, I mean, it's a solid four star movie. It might actually be more than that. The more I think about it, the more I kind of like it. So yeah, I, it's a, it's a really solid movie and, uh, I hope you, you see it. It is available right now. If you're uh, on the peacock, you know, which is kind of like being on the crocodile. If you're on the peacock, then uh, it is streaming there. That's how I caught it. It was just kind of a whim of like, you know what? I should really watch this knock at the cabin thing. Uh, finally, I know that uh, a lot of people said it was pretty good. And then uh, I'll be damned. I watched it and it was not just pretty good. It was uh, it was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Thought it was a, a terrific movie. So yeah, there's your uh, knock at the cabin. And let's wrap things up. Um, with a look at, uh, the latest movie on this list of three movies that I have here. And that is evil dead rise and evil dead rise, uh, was a movie that if memory serves, I think this is correct, was originally going to be a straight to HBO max kind of thing. And then, uh, I don't know whether just all the, the shakeup at HBO Max or they just, you know, the HBO people decided, hey, we don't want um, to let this movie, which we really like, uh, be wasted on a streaming service we want to put in theaters. Or maybe it was in that Batgirl arena of like, hey, we just don't have a place for this and we're just going to put it out in theaters and see what happens. Um, but I, I feel like there was some confidence in it. And I, I really feel like Warner Brothers had a sense of what they had here. And Evil Dead Rise, uh, directed uh, by Lee Cornyn, who is the guy who did a another like creepy movie called The Hole in the Ground uh, a few years ago. And um, Evil Dead Rise is not really a reimagining and it's not really a sequel to any of the movies. It's just sort of another chapter, you know, it kind of sits alongside the other movies without being, uh, you know, the, this is the thing of like, it's an evil dead movie, but it's not 
necessarily of Evil Dead movies. It it does a, a slightly different thing, and and reimagines it in a way that isn't just a, a crass kind of reboot. Um, but the premise is that um, there's an earthquake in L.A. Uh, two estranged sisters are you know reuniting uh, in an old uh, apartment building in L.A. along with one of their families like there are three kids uh turns out the husband has recently left one of the the sisters has recently come home uh or come to visit the sister because she found out she was pregnant and uh has been on the road with a, a band touring and uh after there's an earthquake um it turns out that the apartment building they're in was an old bank and in a vault uh one of the kids discovers um, the, you know, Kandarian book of the dead. And one thing leads to, oh, as well as some vinyl records and one thing leads to another. And the Kandarian demons are released and they infect, uh, the mother or they possess the mother in the film, uh, as played, uh, by, um, Alyssa Sutherland, uh, plays Ellie, the mother in this. And, oh my goodness, is she good? Oh my goodness, Alyssa Sutherland is a real something in this movie. Um, but before we get to any of that, let's talk about its evil deadness. Because there is an argument I can see being made that Evil Dead is, you know, the original three movies. It's Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. There was the remake slash reboot, um, which is fine. Uh, I like it. I think it's gory. I think it's fun. Um, I do think that it, it, the characters are a little too stupid, even for me at times, but there's some, some good gory moments in it. This movie maybe has the most interesting character dynamics of any of the evil dead movies. And that's not saying a lot because most of them are pretty thin on characterization. It's more, you know, plot and gag driven as films more than they are character driven. And this has some, some real character weight I found, uh, between these two sisters and, and the mother and her kids and the kids between each other. Like there's a definite, um, uh, you know, sense of, of family there and how those family members relate to one another and so forth. And yeah, so I like, uh, how all of that stuff is set up. It's kind of a dark and stormy night kind of movie. I mean, it's like it's a horror ass horror movie. And uh, I like the fact that this did find its way into theaters being a horror ass horror movie because it gets to the business of being an Evil Dead movie pretty quickly. And then once it is, it plays a little fast and loose with the mythology you know, there are definitely Kandarian demons. They definitely possess people. They definitely cause chaos. You know, that's that's their vibe. And there are nods and winks and, and references to the other movies. Most of them are pretty... Not vague, but they're not pointed enough to be like... Remember when, you know, Ash said that? There are a couple that are very much like, Oh yeah, like he said in that movie. But those are, you know, I mean, there there are demons shouting dead by dawn. 
And I'm kind of fine with that. Like, yes, it references the other movies. But that just feels like, oh, well, that's what these demons do. Like, they fuck with you. They're telling you that you are not going to survive the night. And and they take glee, take, take a, a lot of pleasure in just making themselves uh, as frightening as possible and, and as uh, disruptive as possible. So I liked all of that stuff. Um, so, you know, the mom, Ellie, is who gets the first uh, uh, possession and Alyssa Sutherland is fantastic. She, like, all of this was filmed in New Zealand, I think. And I, I think she is Australian. Um, and, and so the, her accent is very good. There's that great bit in the trailer, uh, which it works just as well in the movie, where she's talking to her daughter and she is all evil deaded out and pale and face cracked and eyes all fucked up and whatnot and very pleasantly says open up now uh to her daughter that i really like it's it's really unsettling but one of the things that i really like about her character is that there is a moment when she is first possessed where she has the self-awareness to say to her sister don't let them get my family don't let them get my babies and then she's just a villain the rest of the movie and she is scary and manipulative and violent and uh, all of that. It's it's really a wonderful villain performance uh, where she clearly enjoys being bad. Like this demon loves being evil and loves torturing. Uh, all of that stuff is terrific. And so Alyssa Sutherland, terrific in it. Uh, the, the other sister... Um, that is, uh, battling Ellie, uh, is, uh, Jessica played by Anne Marie Thomas, I think is, is right. Um, and she is very good in it as well. Um, there's, uh, you know, the, the kid performers are all very good. It's it, like, it, it's just a well cast, well acted film, you know? There are definitely moments where you're like, oh, these kids are being real dumbasses, but they're also kids and kids do dumbass stuff. They, you know, do stuff that shoot themselves in the foot all the time. Uh, I can, you know, speak from experience that just happens. And so put under pressure, you know, kids continue to do dumb shit. Um, but there are some good gags, right? Like, you know, what are Evil Dead movies? They are set pieces and gags and, and demons uh, fucking with the humans. And this movie has all of that. Um, uh, some of the set pieces are great. There's one that I wish was a little bit better where you sort of see some carnage happening through the peephole in a door. And I wish that was a little grander. But there's also moments uh, that are just absolutely terrific. There, of course, is a chainsaw in the movie. Um, you know, like some people really get fucked up. There's some good eye trauma. Um, there it's bloody. Oh my goodness. This movie is bloody. There's a, you know, an elevator scene with blood that rivals the shining in terms of sheer blood volume. Uh, it's, it's a really satisfying, fun, gory, intense romp. And it's not going to change your life. 
But if you like Evil Dead movies, this is a nice entry into that franchise. I think Lee Cornyn uh, does a fantastic job with the material. It is not one-to-one analogous to the original series. It, It plays with some of that stuff in slightly different ways. Like there was some stuff that happens that are like, oh, I've never seen this in an Evil Dead movie before. And I think that's kind of the joy of it is... There's plenty of stuff that is recognizable and you will you will understand the references and be able to nudge your buddies and say, look, she said the thing. Uh, I don't think anyone says groovy. Just to warn, warn you, if, if you were either worried or looking forward to that, I don't believe that ever happens in the movie. There are some other, you know, ashisms that make their way into, into the, the dialogue but not a groovy as far as I can recall. Um, so all of that said, uh, with all the differences, um, it, you know, it, it still manages to be an evil dead movie. It still manages, uh, to be something that is, is fun and, and occasionally silly. It's sense of humor is dark to be sure. It's not as slapsticky as the Raimi movies. Um, you know, it doesn't tread into that Three Stooges territory, but it, it is darkly comic at times. And uh, so I really enjoyed it. I thought it did just enough different to make me feel like I was watching something new and fresh and also uh, was familiar enough that I really felt like I was watching an Evil Dead movie. And I liked all of that. So I'm curious. I hope they do another one of these. And it, it certainly... Leaves, it, leaves itself in a position where you could do a direct sequel to this movie that could be quite fun. And I would be down for that. Uh, Lee Cornyn, much like the compliment I paid M. Night Shyamalan for Knock at the Cabin, uh, Evil Dead Rise in Raimi fashion whips the camera around and does some fun stuff with that to keep things really exciting and interesting. Um, I just, I really dug it. And this is another one of those four-star movies for me where I thought, this is great. I, I look forward to going uh, back to it and, and seeing how it holds up on a, a repeat viewing. Um, that said, before we wrap things up, I would like to uh, rank the Evil Dead movies. Just the movies, not the series, not Ash versus Evil Dead. But while I'm thinking about it, I thought, well, it might be kind of fun just to put them in order for me personally. And so, for me, uh, it begins with my number one, which is uh, Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2, I think, is unassailable. I think it set the template for how to do a movie that is both funny and scary and and ridiculous and intense. And it's just an achievement, I think, that is difficult to pull off. Uh, So, I love Evil Dead 2. It's damn near a perfect movie, in my estimation. Um, second on my list is Evil Dead, the Evil Dead, the 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 original Raimi film, because it's a honest to goodness terrifying movie. It scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. It still kind of makes me uncomfortable when I watch it now. There's something about the the analog vibe to it that still makes it intense and scary to me. I think the original Evil Dead is really really good. Um, and then this, this is where things get tricky because I think evil dead rise is my new number three. 
because I do like so much about it. Nor normally, I would say Army of Darkness would be my number three, but Army of Darkness is campy and silly, but also I get a little bored during the whole light or windmill scene and it, you know, the whole London Bridge is falling down thing. It's fine. I enjoy it. But I think I enjoy Evil Dead Rise as a movie, as an experience, more than I enjoy Army of Darkness. I think Army of Darkness is certainly funnier, uh, and I enjoy Bruce Campbell in that movie a tremendous amount. But I think Evil Dead Rise lands at my number three with Army of Darkness uh, squeezed out of that, that plum number three spot, and now at number four. And uh, my least favorite of a series that I think is full of good movies at the very least is uh evil dead the the most recent of uh the evil dead not movies but you know that reboot the one from 2013 again a movie that's it's hard to imagine that that's 10 years old now but yeah i i think that evil dead was successful and it was it was intense but also not quite as original uh, as uh, as I would like it to have been, and and also the characters were just such tremendous dumbasses that it was hard to get behind them. Like Evil Dead Rise, characters do some stupid stuff here and there, but it's mostly from the kids, uh, as you would expect. So um, yeah, uh, Evil Dead from 2013, number four on my list of the four movies. Um, but yeah, there you have it. There's my my Evil Dead ranking. Uh, so go, you know, just, uh, sing it from the rooftops. Um, okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, again, this is a solo one. We'll be doing some some more uh, uh, non-solo episodes with actual guests and whatnot. Um, those are coming, I promise. Um, but, you know, right now I'm just still playing a lot of catch-up. I'm doing this, editing the next pick six, getting ready for finals at school, unpacking some shit so that... You know, when I walk around the house, I don't feel like I'm a stranger in my own home and uh, and, and also kind of licking my wounds from uh, a, a fairly intense relationship gone bad. So all of those things are happening all at the same time. So bear with me as uh, I, I'm working through it. I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm in good shape. I'm happy. Uh, but, you know, busy. Busy and, and, and you know, uh, stressed for any number of reasons. So, you know, we're getting there. Um all right, enough of that uh, confessional business. Let's uh, let's get to some some scary shit uh, coming up soon. We've got uh, a a brand new uh, Heart of Horror right around the corner. We've got some more What You Watching coming. We've got uh, some found footage fool, and I know what I want to do for the next series on Dark Parade. I just got to get my guests lined up to do it because I, I want to do it the right way. So, uh, all of that coming very soon. Please be sure you're following on, uh, the discord server. Just go to legionpodcast.com, uh, click on the shows and then, um, dark parade. And you will find not only every back episode, uh, and, and links to subscribe to the podcast and all that fun stuff, but also a link to the, the discord server. So if you want to come by and say hi, just know somebody was talking about Coldfish over here in the discord channel. So, you know, uh, I got to get on that. Um, all right. Have yourselves a great rest of your Wednesday, a great rest of the week. I'll see you right back here in a week. And thank you as always 
for joining the Dark Parade. See you next time.